Hi, everybody, and welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook and TikTok. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it if you could give us a review, tell a friend, or help spread the word, and definitely subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Well, today we are excited to speak with our very special guest, Jill Kargman. We are huge fans of Jill and all of her work, her writing, her odd mom outness. We were just saying before we came on, we're big odd mom outs, if I can say that. <laughs> I wrote about it for Scary Mommy a number of years ago. Um, Danielle got us through quarantine. She sure did. So and, did her kiss sister Kim. And Dakota. So anyway, <laughs> we're like imitating you, imitating your yeah, like, Stop. So anyway, <laughs> St- Stephanie's going to read Jill's bio and then we'll finally let Jill talk. Yes. Jill Kargman is a born and bred New Yorker. She is the creator, writer, producer, and star of the scripted Bravo comedy Odd Mom Out, which is based on her novel Momzilla's. In it, she plays a satirical version of herself navigating the hilarity of raising children on the Upper East Side in New York City. After graduating from Yale, Jill began working for magazines, television, and movies. She is the New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, including Sprinkle Glitter on My Grave, The Ex-Mrs. Hedge Fund, Arm Candy, Wolves in Sheep Clothing, three novels for young readers, and the essay collection called Sometimes I Feel Like a Nut. And I'll just say, I always do. But Jill has also (laughs) written for Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, GQ, and many other magazines. Jill, we're so delighted to have you here. Thank you, Stephanie and Rachel. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Well, we are thrilled and we are going to ask you the very big question of the hour, which is what accessory do you want to talk about today? I would like to talk about a handbag that I wore in my wedding. It was originally white satin and then I dyed it black so that I could actually use it forever. Um, And it was a gift from someone who died last year named Frances Paddock Stein, And she was a designer at Chanel, um, which did my wedding dress where my dad works. And I knew that they were giving me my wedding dress as a present, but I didn't know about the bag. Oh, wow. um, Frances designed it. And the reason this is so important to me um, is because she never got any glory during her life. I feel Mm -hmm. like Carl Lombard got all the attention. Yes. And I was so grateful for my dress and I have the sketch framed in my living room and um, that felt very lucky that I, that I got that given to me, but I was never close with Carl in the same way I was with Francis. And I feel like she was deprived as a woman of adulation from the fashion press or any spotlight because Carl took the spotlight and no one else was really going to get any. And in the very beginning, um, she, so just some background on Francis, she was started at Harper's Bazaar and then went to Vogue and she worked her way up and became the youngest fashion director in the history of Vogue at 27, which, oh my God. Wow. That's and what back happened. then too. Yeah. Yeah. Unheard of. 
he is famous for many, many iconic shoots that are in all the Vogue coffee table books. She had crazy stories of like a hairdresser passing out on drugs and she had to quickly do the hair and she just splashed water on Renee Russo's hair and plucked an orchid from the ground, shoved it behind her ear. And that's like a very famous photograph and just crazy stories of like orgies and fashion week and cocaine and studio 54 and all that stuff that I actually don't glamorize because I, I was privy to the seedy underbelly of it through the prism of her experience. So when I hear people talking about those glory days, I never buy into that. Cause I also, I was a kid, but I grew up in New York in the seventies and it was, you know, not the safest when people bitch about New York. I'm like, you guys are such brats. You don't even know what my <laughs> that's nothing. Right. Um, so went on to leave Vogue to work for a fledgling designer named Calvin Klein. Mm. Mm-hmm. He was at the drafting table, burning the midnight oil. And he was, you know, often out on the town and living his life. And she was, she was always a grind and was always working. And I remember as I got older in high school, I said, like, it's so hard. I'm drowning in work. And just when I hand in a paper, this tsunami of more work crashes over me. I can't catch my breath. And she's like, hello, welcome to adulthood. That's, that's life. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, you don't get tests and grades. She's like, of course I do. I'm only as good as my next collection Mm -hmm. and I have to, you know, get it right. So what, what you guys think of as the Chanel bag Mm -hmm. is France, you know, Mm -hmm. um, she did all the bags, hats, gloves, scarves, and jewelry for Chanel from like through the 80s and 90s. And she died last year. She had been retired for a bit, maybe through like the early aughts. She was designing all the Chanel accessories, all the overseeing the gripois, all of the like hand-blown, the glass jewelry, the pearls, the everything you think of as like iconic Chanel was actually Francis and no one knows her name. No one knows. No one knows. And thank you for honoring her. What does your bag look like? Okay. I'm going to hold it up. So it okay. has ribbons. They're oh, like, the- oh my God. Top has like a book. <gasps> uh, it's like a piece of art. It is a piece of art. The jackpot is that instead <gasps> of PC, it's a JK, which is might look backwards on your thing. No, but she had right. for me you know, to have my own initials instead of Coco Chanel's, but, um, I just love it so much. And I, I just, I was so moved that, so she flew for my wedding. Carl wasn't at my wedding, but, um, Francis, Francis was like a fairy godmother to me. I stayed yeah. with her. Chris, um, my husband and I, when we were dating, stayed with her. Mm-hmm. She was just like this wise old auntie who, I adored. And when I first broke up with a boyfriend in college and I was sobbing, I I couldn't call my parents because I don't think they, I don't know. Oh, it was late at night. That's why they were asleep (laughs) morning in Paris. And she talked down for like two hours. I have so many fabulous letters from her. And so when I invited her to the wedding, she was already into Harry, my husband. She was like, he's a dish. He's an absolute dish. <laughs> a dish. <laughs> a couple of times. And at that time, she used to come to New York. She hadn't been sort of decade, but I was married 21 years ago. And she flew in for the thing. She would take like, we did at the Lowell. It was impossibly chic. And she had her flowers and her stuff. And she kind of summoned me over there. 
and said, I made you something to carry. You know, I never think of a bride having a hand. Right. No. I would think of the queen carrying the handbag everywhere. Yeah. Right. Right. A bridal handbag. I don't know what you think. Right. Carry flowers. What do you put in it? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess like nowadays they would probably have a cell phone and a lipstick or something. I just never even thought of it, but she gave me this white at the time, the white. And it actually was so pretty with my dress. Like I had it, I didn't like wear it down the aisle, but piece of Francis with me all night. And the fact that it has my initials on it. That is incredible. So So my is Copelman. So I have the mm -hmm. same um, JK. So she knew that and just wanted to give me something special. And I will cherish this always. And unlike a wedding gown, I wear it all the time. I mean, that's why I dyed black. Uh-huh. Right. I it's like how it. people dye their wedding shoes white to black, you know, and that, but I've never heard of the pocketbook, but that's awesome. Right. We were going to say, so we were going to ask you if you wear it often. Obviously you do. Sounds like you I do. have, um, sort of, it's one of my like three black tie bags in rotation. Okay. I have I, Alexander McQueen clutch with like a skull, yeah. jeweled stuff. And then I have another chanel bag that my mom gave me but those are really my only three black tie things because i never invest in that because i feel like i don't go to that many things anymore i go to more funerals than weddings now right oh. so, um i just i see them in bergdorf's and i might pause and drool but i never would like drop that on a black tie bag i appreciate more like an everyday bigger right. thing to use right um little baby bag for a cell phone and lipstick. I'm just not going to spend on that. And really what bags cost now, I, I could buy jewelry, you know, I right, just, right. So, particularly when nothing is going to be as me as this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, Francis joined Chanel shortly after the passing of Coco Chanel, if I'm not mistaken. And so yeah what big shoes to fill. And then you got to know her and presumably she, did she have an influence on your style? And if so, how? She really did. It's the great question. I feel like, you know, there's always the trope of put on all your jewelry and then take one piece off. Yes. It's or, so hard to do though. <laughs> there was never, never without like perfect scarf earrings, like big, big yeah. earrings. She had big oversized glasses before that was even like a trend and they were mm-hmm. kind of dark to light, you know, ombre style. Yes. And she air of mystery to her. Um, she would like layer things very effortlessly. It was, even though she's American, um, she had a very French sensibility of just like tossing things on and she had huge dishes, like African bowls and stuff with just piles of amber necklaces she actually had an amber dealer that she would meet like really oh my god she would meet this amber dealer and it would cost more if there was a bug trapped in it like jurassic park you know how they yes 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 absolutely yep she had like a chunky amber necklace with like insects in it and i made jurassic park jokes um and she brought my mom once to go meet him they met him in some like alley it's so weird but she like whatever you were interested in she knew every purveyor she went on inspiration trips to india to look at pigments i mean she was so creative and exploratory and just she was just an intrepid person i mean i remember taking like an endless cab ride like deep into the queens of paris to go to 
this one restaurant that had Argentinian corn soufflés in these like individual ramekins. And I still am mm-hmm. like, someone needs to fucking create that dish for me. Um, <laughs> I, I am lousy, but um, she just, every restaurant was cool. I would find myself yeah. like being on the floor in this place. And then she just, she just like always had a, her finger on the pulse. And mm-hmm. it, it, because I mean, this sounds sort of like conceited, but I used to be like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I had kids, I, it's, I kind of lost it because I didn't know what new bands were or music because I was home with three kids under four. So I kind of lost that curiosity. I was just in survival mode. I was so tired for 10 years yeah. home with the mm-hmm. So she like kept it interesting for me. And whenever I saw her, I felt inspired. And like, she was my conduit to the outside world, even though she was older, she was way way cooler, you know, than a young mom up to her elbows and shit. Well, it's funny you bring up the, um, the whole, like not having it anymore after you have kids. Cause Stephanie and I get that too. We have, we each have two kids, but now they're teenagers. Um, so we're out of that, you know, no sleep stuff, just dealing with, you know, other crap. Now I I have one, one in college, one in high school. Stephanie has two in high school. You have, you have one in college, right? And two in high school or yeah. 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 So anyway, um, but we, you know, and I think a lot of our listeners will know you from being Jill, not Jill Kargman, but Jill Weber, Jill Von Weber sometimes Jill and Von mom right. out. And you were, I mean, I feel like you were from watching you and you were able to keep some kind of style that was your own in your momness. So can you talk about how that kind of evolved as you became a mom and, you know, maintaining your own style and also how you brought it on set too, like you, the design of your apartment, which, you know, the clothes you wear and still how that's evolved over the years now that your kids are older and you do have more time to maybe sometimes, I don't know, blow out your hair, or put on makeup or something. Thank you um, for that compliment. I, I don't like, I looked like an exhausted hag during those years. I never, felt no, not at that. all. I never changed my style in terms of clothes, but, um, I couldn't afford stuff like quote unquote investment pieces, which is code for expensive shit. Um, <laughs> I, I, when we were newlyweds and new parents were in a fourth floor walk up, mm-hmm. I bought from like urban outfitters or trash and vaudeville. And New York has a lot of like super cool, affordable places. Um, my favorite now is the cast on Orchard Street. I buy my t-shirts there. I have a leather jacket from there. And um, you can buy things that are, that feel like you and not lose yourself as a mom. It's just like during mm-hmm. those, it up on all the time. I didn't, you know, I saw all these moms and I remember once seeing this mom in a beautiful blouse. And I said, oh, I love your blouse. And she just goes, Valentino. And I I, but I realized like the people that are wearing the 28, yeah. I don't, I don't know how they could afford it. Maybe they had like wall street husbands or parents or something, but my parents weren't like giving me Valentino or even Chanel for that matter stuff. But, um, it was going to be spit up on like, unless you have right. staff of nannies who are changing the huggies and burping them and whatever. I mean, I was spit up on all the, I went to mm-hmm. my page. Sadie keeps spitting up and he goes, too bad you didn't marry a dry cleaner. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, you're either in it and right. you're the doing all that stuff. And so why are you wearing designer clothes or not? But anyway, so I, I guess I wore a lot of like, I know this sounds weird because now I feel like it's lost it, but um, it's more Banana Republic-y. But Club Monaco used to be 
have some cool. Yes. And I bought, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I've kind of kept the same style for since I was 12. I wear a lot of black and I love leather. I like contrast. So I like leather and lace, you know, sugar and spice, everything mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like with this bag too, it, it has ribbons all over it. And the, then that top is a bow on your shoulder. And yeah. I've had a fondness for bows because I think it kind of is the other, the yin to the yang of my yes. like question. And I have so many things with spikes. And then I like the softness of ribbons and bows. It's that sort of out of me that I'm drawn to. You know, it's interesting because when Rachel and I found out that you were going to talk about this bag, we were talking to each other and said, you know, how perfectly fitting that, you know, the creator of Odd Mom Out has this very unique Chanel bag, right? And a sea of, of sort of the, the regular Chanel bags, which are exquisite, um, but you have something that's totally unique and you are totally unique. And I'm, I'm curious about, you know, in real life, what was that aha moment as a mom that sparked Momzilla's, right? Because that preceded odd mom out was was there a one moment where you said oh my gosh I need to write about this there is um I was on like the godfather day of my period and (laughs) weird like only one only one day well normally now after I got my IUD after all three kids it was like a canoe with paddles (laughs) but back then um back then it was one day and uh, my menopause periods, perimenopause periods are another story, but it's like crimes. <laughs> but um, like I have tape around my bed. I shit you not. So, but back then I had so far one child and I took her to a ballet class. They have like everything in New York. You can take mm-hmm. like, man- yeah. but I took her to a ballet class and diapers and pink leotards. And I said, and all the moms were decked out, like decked out. And some had nannies standing by for like moral support. Um, and <laughs> you need that. all had perfect manicures. My hands looked like monkeys had eaten them and put them in the microwave on high. And like, they just looked so put together and they apparently all were friends and went to Lamaze together, some shit. And so I sat down and that was when I felt the odd mom outness. Like mm-hmm. I just felt other. And I think I had spit up on me. I was wearing like urban outfitters vomited all over me. And I said, he was running around. I said, come sit down Indian style. And these moms, one of them like gasped and taps the friend and they're all kind of whispering (gasps) while looking at me. So I knew they were talking about me. So I said, what? And she goes, that's just unacceptable. You can't say Indian style. It's crisscross applesauce. applesauce. (laughs) Right. Right. That's amazing. Oh, now. But 19 years ago, I hadn't heard about crisscross applesauce. I was right. old. Like, I didn't get the memo about that. So I I just, like, my heart started pounding. And the second class was over. I burst into tears. I could not stop crying. Like, the hormones and the mm-hmm. mouth part. And I just felt like I just didn't have this handbook of motherhood. And I was all alone. My friends were still yeah. dancing at bungalow eight like I had no friends yeah. with kids and um so I came home and Harry was like how was your day was it fun which always made me yeah, crazy right like, I, yeah so always, fun yeah I was like fun um <laughs> so I told him the story and he just started laughing and I was like 
why are you laughing? I was crying. And he goes, come on, Jill, this is fucking hysterical. Like this is so funny. So the next day we were at um, the museum of natural history and he, they have dioramas everywhere. And he goes, look, honey, the native Americans are sitting crisscross applesauce. (laughs) (laughs) That was the one moment to answer your question, but there were other moments. I'm sure. Um, you know, I'm a leader and there was, there was, I was like nurse, nursing Nazi shamed and all these things that I would pepper in our conversation at night. And he used to get home late after the baby was asleep. He worked like a crazy person. And, um, I would regale him with like the playground, you know, breaking news. And he's like, after write this down, this is your next book. So it's really thanks to Harry. Yeah. Wow. That's well, awesome. It, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I'm remembering my experience of, you know, carrying a toddler and holding hands with my younger son, my older son walking into preschool. I, you know, it was sort of this princess Diana moment, but I was much prettier, of course, but like walking into, <laughs> walking into preschool and I was in my three inch high heel shoes and a suit. Cause I was going to the office and most moms where we live at the time weren't working. And I remember a mom said to me, Oh, look at you in your high heels. I don't put on high heels until, you know, afternoon. And I remember going back to my car feeling so odd mom out, right. Feeling like such a loser because I had some disease and I had to go to work. And I had that like sobbing in the car. Then I proceeded to think about like 15 things I should have said that were insults back to her, but it was that feeling of like being alone, right. And different. It manifests in so many different ways. In, in yeah. There are stay-at-home moms who feel that way. There are working moms who feel that way. There are moms yep. who have help who feel like they, and then people who have a staff of nannies who feel that way. Like it's, yeah. it's a being judged and a feeling right. that you're enough and that you're doing something wrong. And that is just such a lonely place to be. Um, especially so because quality time with our friends to talk us down from stuff like that. Unless, unless you're lucky enough to, you know, have a baby at the same time as your best friend, which didn't happen right. for me. Um, it did later, but I'm right. saying like, I just had to, I was like crawling blindly. It's so funny. You said that I could relate. I think, um, it sounds like you were maybe one of the first of your friends from other parts of your life to have a baby. Cause I was the same way. And, and my friends, when I was changing diapers and stuff, they were still like, going out in the city and doing fun stuff. And I remember I went to a baby music class and I was like, oh, here, I'm going to meet all my friends here because that's really what it's all about, right? And I was like, no friends. And speaking of accessories, we recorded another episode. They were all wearing push presents around their neck, like, you know, charms of like what their kids look like, like the boy. And I was like, I know you had a kid. Like, why are you wearing the child around your neck? So that's like Um, another disturbing accessory. No, I just, we we didn't have money then. And then when my third one came, I said, can I get a push present, like a necklace with all three initials? And then I did. And I, yeah, except like, I don't even wear it. I feel like I just was like, I, I just heard so much about push presents and everyone was talking about it. And I, I, there was this um, store Jeanette on West 4th street that had really pretty like monogrammy things. Yeah. So I was like, well, we wondered like- if we could get push presents because I had a C-section the second time around and, and Stephanie had two C-sections. I had two. So we were like, we didn't push it's a different way. I know, yeah. but it's right. Pain. How about that? Right. Can you tell us about what you're wearing on your sweater today? Is that a pin or is that part of the sweater? No. My friend Lauren's company, Le Lion, like lion. 
And yeah. um, he has like a monogram bar. So I love monograms in case you can't tell. I love, this is yeah. Okay. For my husband, but you pick your own, like you pick your own bow, your leather, your, so she, I just like tricked out this with like a leather bow, a gold leather bow. It's, and then initials. it's so stunning. Very it's beautiful. Cool. That is so yeah. cool. I love and you that. know what? He didn't mind when I bought it. Like, I'm not normally like, I'm going to go buy a nice cashmere sweater. I just, but I bought, when I got it, he liked it because it had, it was like an ode to his majesty. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. So with your, with your father, he was the president of Chanel and mm-hmm. you grew up in this world surrounded by fashion and accessories. What was that like for you? Did you have an appreciation or was it, uh no, fashion. I love. No, I thought it was the coolest thing. I loved going to Fashion Week with my parents. Yeah, I went, you know, all the time to to Chanel shows in Paris, which is wildly glamorous, and I never got jaded or over it. I always thought it was so cool. I think the reason I turned out like not bulimic is because my parents were so constantly aware of my you know I was 10 when I was by the side of a runway in Paris and they kept saying over and over again my dad would say you know that's too thin right like you know Mm. that that's not that's not like necessarily a natural body type that's too skinny like they just kept pounding Mm -hmm. it in and then when I would go to a couple parties and things and I, I was like in awe and starstruck I remember my dad would say like, this is, these are not, this is a lot of phony baloney. Like these are yeah. like asshole buddies. They're air kissing. Hello, but they're not real friendships. So I, I feel like all of that sort of glamor aspect was discounted mm-hmm. as artifice by my parents. And in the same way, in fact, that I'm trying to dismantle social media for my kids and say mm-hmm. that that's not real this is a projection this is all like what they want you to see um my parents did that for me fashion so I never really got swept up in any of you know I thought it was like beautiful and exciting and fun but I never I knew it wasn't real and when my parents told me and Francis told me about all these friendships that are based on sort of transactional things I never coveted that like a spot in that world you wrote in Town and Country in 2019 after Carl Lagerfeld's passing. It was at when you were at one of the Met Galas and you were feeling insecure near all the models and celebrities. And you said, I was so invisible and awkward. And Carl saw me in a borrowed dress and said, you're all grown up and you look like the Infanta. I went from yep. feeling like a zitty Jewish Cinderella to an actual princess in a New York Nano, which I just thought was so cool. And it just speaks to... What you it just was, shared too about your, your parents and, and staying grounded in this world of air kisses. Yeah, I feel like there are certain people, the older I get, I mean, I don't know if you guys have had this, maybe you're, I don't know, I'm middle, I'm 48, but I feel like I'm the 48 old, too. 49. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, I feel like I just don't have time for those kinds of like bullshit yes. circles. Yes. That some women, I kind of, this sounds so sad, but I kind of think that it's like they have a million friends and none. They don't have anyone. If you don't have a friend, you can call crying about something or really talk about a fear or a worry or something that's bothering you. Like that's not real. And I, I find that there's even more of those kinds of things in, in 
industries, whether it's Hollywood or fashion that like appear that have that patina that feels sexy and alluring. Um, but even just in regular life, there are people who care about having like rich friends who can fly them on a plane or going yeah. to this island or whatever it is. I don't know. I just feel like I keep meeting people where I, I realize like these are not real friendships. They're like ass lickers. Right. Yeah. No, we can totally relate to that. I mean, Stephanie and I met through a mutual friend and we connected instantly over the stuff that is real, like somebody right. that you can call with a real problem. We actually, not to bring it down, but bonded over both losing our mothers early, which is like a huge part right. of what sparked, not, I want to say sparked our friendship, but maybe really did. Because like you said, it's really those friends that you can go to, that you can call in the middle of the night or whenever. And we, we yeah. find that what you were saying, I thought it was interesting about what good parents you obviously had and how we need to do that now to our kids, especially in light of social media. And mm -hmm. I say that to my kids all the time. Like, this is a snapshot. This is the five seconds they went out that night. And then maybe they were crying in their dorm room. Like, who knows? You know, right. you just never but know. Role models for your kids because they, they'll see your friendship and not suffer through toxic friendships. Like exactly I, the friendship garden. And you might inherit new friends through like when your kid goes to kindergarten or whatever it is. And it's okay to kind of like pull up the drawbridge sometimes and move on to a different chapter of your life and not keep people around because of inertia. That is true. And it changes so much as your kids get older, right? Because you don't yep. need to make the plans anymore and they're on their yeah. own. Yeah. Right. Love yeah. it. I mean, my friends are still my five bridesmaids in my wedding, which I know is I pretty rare. That. That's that is, yeah. That's very rare, but they were not in it with me with the, the new motherhood thing. So I made like this revolving door of friends, some of whom were kind of single serving friendships and then others who lasted, but it's just because you shit out a kid at the same time. Doesn't mean you're supposed to be best friends. Exactly. Exactly. We need that on a t-shirt. We do. <laughs> yeah, <Right. exactly. laughs> I liken it to like when you first go to college and the first week you're friends with everybody on your right. floor. And then at graduation, you're like, oh my God, we have nothing in common. It's like those people you met at the baby music class or whatever, because they were there. And then it, it takes time. Or I, or I haven't seen you since that first week of school. Yeah. So what so, are you working on these days? If we can ask. Um, I am where you're going to be happy about this. Okay. Um, a Danielle movie. <gasps> Stop it. I'm <gasps> dead. Are we breaking uh, the news here? Yeah. You heard it here. What? I'm, I'm Danielle. Danielle. Is yeah, Kem, is Kem, is Kem in it? Are we butchering this? Oh my God. Dakota. Oh, it's Danielle. Wait, seriously, speaking of groups of friends, I was on a group text, and like 75% of our texts were Danielle stories throughout yeah. the pandemic. So thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Uh, you've just given me life. All right. Tell us about Danielle, the movie. Yeah. The movie. Oh, um, the movie, it's, it's called Miracle on 74th Street. I don't have the fun. <laughs> I'm fundraising now in case any of your listeners are like billionaires and want to produce a movie. Um, the budget came in higher than I thought, but I um, it. it's Jack's media who produced Odd Mom Out is doing production services for this. And I'm an idiot because I thought, oh, Odd Mom Out was 1.1 million an episode. So this is three times as long. So it should be 3.3 million. And they were like, honey, you're cute. No. Yeah. And it's totally gone up since your show was made four years ago. And absolutely not. So 
there were ways to bring down the budget, such as filming in Jersey City. And I was like over my fucking dead body. <laughs> so I'm trying to raise the funds now. I'm, I'm not even halfway. So. All right, we're going to post about this. We're going to, we're going to help you out here. This is is amazing. Isn't that amazing that you could go from, I mean, you're obviously a creative, wonderful brain doing Instagram stories during a pandemic to a movie. I mean, that's right. I didn't want to shop it to a studio or anybody because I had sold, I've sold like three, three projects since Odd Mom Out and none have been made. One, I went through notes process everything it was like ready to go and then all my executives got fired so I'm just at a point now where I'm like I just want to make this myself I don't I love I'm, it I would get a director but I just don't want to go through this machine of all these people giving notes some of t- sometimes they contradict each other the notes right and right I'm sorry but like some of them are dumber than me I just don't want to like bend over and take it and I just yeah I'm just fucking make it on my own well, I just and- I would think your past experience proves that you are more than talented. You can do it. Period. I hope so. I just hope yeah, you can. And, you know, Gen X is so overlooked. Everyone wants like the young Gen Z millennial voices and you know, I'm not diverse. I just I think like there's still plenty of us um who are Gen Xers who are not Karens who just want to have a funhouse mirror held up to our lives yeah. and want to do with this. Is yeah. is Danielle going to go to a gym in the movie? And will Susan be there? Stop it! <laughs> I had to. Will she be playing? But yes, she has. Um, she has. There's, there's little interstitials where she's instead of a gym, she's at a different class. Like in New York, a lot of people go to classes where they like pull you like a pretzel, and then the next one they like out of view with you know. But they all have trainers who scream at you, and yeah. so she a different one one is called bbc studios burn barf cry and um so she's she goes to all these different ones and there's always like some masochistic trainer who's like sort of like that is amazing every time you came out with a new post whether it was susan or Tanya, like my friend would be like oh did you see what y'all did i mean just hilarious hilarious we we do we do have to give a nod to victoria too because she's character who's based on this character who leaves Latvia because the only way to be on your back and she finds love she thinks and married to Iron Lung ah, we're done like this on is the floor yeah, yeah. I, want to get, I want to get the girl who was in Borat who was Borat's daughter. oh <laughs> that would be good yes okay yes one of one of my investors was like, "You need names, you know. You need household names." But I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I, don't I just want it's true ah. either, especially since it's an independent film. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you know. Yeah, could... I'm not have a box office opening. You you, know? you, 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 you might discover household like there might be a household uh, someone who turns into a household name from it. You know, and I'm know, just right? imagining all the young girls wanting to be Dakota. <laughs> Dakota, she's a little. They're younger in this. They're up oh name. my god. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's slightly different from the uh, Instagram stuff. Um, if you need any like friends sitting in a cafe in a scene, we're happy to. <laughs> to we are there. We're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is at the B'nai Mitzvah. Ah, 
the Vinay. We could do the it. Vinay. We could. We could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Well, I'm so excited that you told us this news, breaking news here. Danielle, this is so exciting. Yeah, um, well, I have to call the deadline yet. The money's not in the bank. Oh, okay. All right. That sounds good. Um, b- before we let you go, I just have one more sort of accessory related question. And that yeah. is, do you wear certain accessories or items from your closet uh, that are meaningful to you on meaningful days? I mean, you talked about the bag, obviously, but is there, you know, um, I, I, I don't, I mean, I guess like rings and things I celebrate my anniversaries. Um, Ava Farron is a good friend. She's a jewelry mm-hmm. designer. Spelled F E H R E N. And so Harry and just goes to her. He knows. So this was actually, I'm wearing my 15th anniversary <gasps> ring. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. Beautiful. So pretty. Yeah. Um, with an X. So she has a lot of things based in like X's, but I like that um she does micro pave. It's like very, mm-hmm. very tiny and delicate. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, like a big chunky jewelry girl, even though Francis was, and Francis had incredible style. I like sort of a daintier look unless it's the spikes or something like that. But um, yeah, Ava's stuff, it's worth checking out because she has beautiful things and that they're very, they're that same dance between like fierce and kind of badass, but then very dainty and feminine. I like that micro pave. It's that dainty, but it's a, it's a X, which is very cool. Yeah. So I wear like pretty much all the time I rotate them. I have one from my 10th anniversary, my 15th and my 20th. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, all right. Well, where can our listeners find you? Where would you? Um, on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. I don't really go on Facebook that much, but I feel like Instagram is more my medium Twitter. I get more angry and it's usually Mm -hmm. stuff about how I am about just like the red state people, but, um, I am, I, I guess Instagram is probably the way. Okay. That's awesome. great. One well, last question. Yes. You don't, you don't trust people who like cilantro. Why? Oh, my dad and I both have like, <laughs> like a nauseous reaction to cilantro. It's either or right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. To me, it tastes like soap and actually the recently humiliated Dr. Oz, I had to promote Odd Mom out on his show and he was trying to, sh- on the show, yeah. like they, I somehow it came up that I hate cilantro or they had seen it, probably whatever you saw. Yeah. And he tried to show me on national television a way with a mortar and pistol to get whatever that thing that tastes like soap out of it. And then I'll like it. Yeah. And he's like, right, it's great. And I had to, I basically lied and said like, oh yeah, you're right. Cause I didn't want to be like, no, it's still disgusting. You fucking, yeah. <laughs> um, we should have known that. How about some crudite, buddy? I know. Yeah. So he's full of shit. It still tasted just like cilantro. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing Thank with you. us the beautiful you- bag and all I- your stories. It was just great. We loved it. So much fun. Thank you. And thank you for talking about Frances. It was so great to, I know, I her, her. you know, bring her spirit alive. I know we're going to link. You told us about um, the obit that was written about her in the New York yeah. Times, which was fascinating, I thought. So we can link to that. Done. Thank you. That's so nice. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank for, you so th- much. Thanks for coming on, Jill. And thanks to our listeners. And we'll talk to you next time.